Welcome to the podcast of Medora Pentecostal Church. We are a growing community of believers committed to bringing hope and building lives. We pray today's message is a blessing to you. I want to direct your attention to the word of the Lord this evening. We are going to the book of Mark chapter 4, the book of Mark chapter 4. And uh, we're going to be visiting a, uh, a familiar story. Uh, if you've been around church for any length of time, you've heard that. If not, I hope that you will uh, certainly take some, some strength from this um, in the message tonight. Mark chapter 4 and verse 35. And the same day when the even was come, he saith unto them, let us pass over unto the other side. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship. And there were also with him other little ships. And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. And he was in the hinder part of the ship asleep on a pillow, and they wake him and say unto him, Master, canst thou not, or carest thou not, that we perish? And he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said one to another, What manner of man is this? that even the wind and the sea obey him. I want to talk to you tonight. Uh, we're going to be maybe doing some teaching, uh, but uh, probably some preaching. Uh, you know what preaching is, is just to get louder than when you're just talking. So, But uh, we're going to be talking to you tonight about trust God. Trust God. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Father, for this opportunity to praise you. Lord, we are so thankful, God, for uh, David and Grace leading us tonight into your presence, uh, Lord, with songs of praise and worship. And for all of our people that are gathered in their homes tonight, uh, praising you and worshiping you or on, on their devices in some manner, we ask, God, your blessings upon them. Let your spirit, let your word come to them tonight in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Living for God is wrapped up in mystery. It is also often cloaked in conundrums. Great should be the wonder of heaven and of our God. God does move as the saying is in mysterious ways. Now, some people quote that as Bible, but it is not. It's a true, true statement, but it is not Bible. Matter of fact, uh, the, the famous quote, God moves in mysterious ways, was actually lyrics to a song written by a William Cowper in 1773. Let me share with you those lyrics. God moves in a mysterious way. His wonders to perform. He plants his footsteps in the sea and rides upon the storm, deep in unfathomed minds of never-failing skill. His treasures up his bright design and works his sovereign will. 
Ye fearful saints, fresh courage take. The clouds ye so much dread are big with mercy and shall break in blessing upon your head. Judge not the Lord by feeble sense, but trust him for his grace. Behind a frowning providence, he hides a smiling face. His purpose will ripen fast, unfolding every hour. The bud may be bitter taste, but sweet will be the flower. God does work in mysterious ways. One of Job's comforters, so-called, his so-called friends said this in Job 11 and 7. Canst thou by searching find out God? Can you find out the Almighty unto perfection? It is high as the heaven, what canst thou do? Deeper than hell, what canst thou know? The measure thereof is longer than the earth and broader than the sea. I believe we need to retain our wonder of God. The psalmist said, when I consider the heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained, what is man? that thou art mindful of him, and the Son of Man, that thou visitest him. God, the omnipresent Spirit, he is here and he is there at the same time, but you cannot touch him, he can touch you. He is omnipotent. His greatness and power cannot be measured by the, by the, the measuring tools of man. He is great. Amen. I, I like how the message reads from Isaiah 40 where it says, who has scooped up the ocean into his hands or measured the sky between his thumb and his finger? Who has put all the earth's dirt in one of his baskets, weighed each mountain and hill? Who could ever have told God what to, ta what to do or taught him about his business? What expert would he have gone to for advice? What school would he attend to learn justice? What God do you suppose might have taught him what he knows and showed him great things that he works? I tell you the wonder and the majesty and the marvel of God ought to be caught in our mind. Isaiah 40, uh, the message begins again, if I pick it up in the reading of verse 21 from the message, have you not been paying attention? Have you not been listening? Haven't you heard these stories all your life? Don't you understand the foundation of all things? God sits high above the round ball of earth and people look like mere ants. He stretches out the skies like a, command, a canvas. Yes, like a tent canvas to live under. He ignores what all the princes say and do. The rulers of the earth count for nothing. Princes and rulers don't amount to much. Like seeds barely rooted, just sprouted. They shrivel when God blows on them. Like flecks of chaff, they are gone with the wind. What are you saying tonight? And what is Isaiah saying? It is reminding us of the wonder and the majesty and the marvel and the mystery of God. The Lord said, who's like me? Who is like me? Who holds a candle to me? Who is holy like me? Look at the night sky, he said. What do you think made all this? 
Who marches his army of stars out each night and, and counts them off, calls each by name so magnificent, so powerful, and never overlooks a single one? Oh, the wonder, the marvel, and the awesomeness of our God. Look with me at Isaiah 40 and 28 as we pick up the narrative in the King James. Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, Fainteth not, neither is weirder of the ends of the earth. Fairy, there is no searching of his understanding. He is eternal from everlasting to everlasting. That ought to cause us wonder and awe. His thoughts are not contained within the context of human intellect and reasoning. That ought to cause wonder and awe. Miracle worker, light in the darkness, the one that we worship. Amen. I want to submit to you, I've, I've said all that to come to this point. The moment we lose our wonder of God, the moment we lose the mystery of God, the, that, that awe is the moment that our faith becomes irrelevant. When we think we've got God figured out and we want to put God in our box and we want to show God how to do what we want him to do, <clears throat> that's the moment that our faith becomes irrelevant. Irrelevant. Amen, because we lose sight of the wow. I want to encourage you tonight, don't ever lose your childlike faith, your childlike wow that sees God in his wonder and his majesty and cannot explain everything about him. I want to tell you, I've been preaching for a long time, been studying the word for a long time. I've heard great teaching and great preaching, but oh, there's still something inside of me that when I look at the word of God, there is a wow. There's a wow, wow. Keeping that in mind, let's look at our story. Mark chapter four opens up with an unconventional teacher delivering life lessons to a great multitude from a boat. <laughs> We're in the sanctuary today, got, got these lights around and and uh, there's folks over here that's doing live stream and people, uh, you know, sitting around. It's a little different. It's a little different. It's a little different. Well, Jesus was a little different. He preached from a boat. He preached from a boat. Jesus, in this teaching time, employed parables to reveal kingdom principles and kingdom power. The teacher paints a picture in the beginning of the, of the chapter of a sower that goes out sowing seed. He goes out and he casts and broadcasts the seed. In Mark 4 and 7 it says, And some fell on thorns, and uh, fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no fruit. Another fell on good ground and did yield fruit that sprang up and increased and brought forth. Some 30, and some 60, and some 100, and he said unto them, He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. Mark that statement. He that hath ears to hear, let, let him hear. Jesus moves from talking to the multitude to talking directly to his disciples, and he sits down with them and begins to explain the purpose of parables and how that he taught in parables to show the power and potential of the Word of God. The seed of God was the Word of God. And he explains to them the parable. For within the word is the seed, the, the potential for an abundant harvest. 
He that hath ears, let him hear. Pay attention, disciples. I'm trying to teach you something. So within that time of teaching, he shows them the effectiveness of the seed and how that it can bring forth, but the potential is determined by the ground. If the ground is good, there's going to be great harvest. If the ground is not good, then it will not produce a harvest. In Mark 4 and 33, he says, And and with much parable spake he the word unto them, as they were able to hear. But without a parable spake he not unto them. And when they were alone, he expounded all things to his disciples. He showed them how to understand what he was teaching. He had a long sermon, sitting on a boat, preaching to multitudes. Then he pulls his disciples aside and says, Hey, y'all, let me explain to that. I said, y'all, because that's my text is coming out. Then he says a statement of purpose and promise. Let us pass over under the other side. <laughs> look, at, look at the verse in its entirety. Mark 4, 35. The same day when the evening was come, it's about nighttime, And he saith unto them, let us pass over unto the other side. Mark that in your mind. Mark that in your verse. Let us pass over to the other side. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship. And there were also with him other little ships. So they had a convoy, if you please, of boats that is going out. Perhaps the one that they were all in was a, was a little bit bigger than the other little ships that were headed out. For what they, what they calculate was about a two-hour cruise, a two-hour trip. But something happens as they're doing what Jesus asked them, as they're doing to do. So he, he's teaching, he shuts down his teaching, explains to his disciples, let's, and then says, let's go to the other side. And they head out, and, and they're in the will of God. Mark that. They set their sails because Jesus said to. They followed him. Here we find that this And during that time, Jesus lays his head down because he'd been preaching all day. That preaching business will wear you out. Take take it from me. And so he's resting in the ship. He's laying his head on a pillow. And while he is sleeping and they're sailing and everybody's happy, all of a sudden, as is likely to happen, the wind sweeps down from the hills on the other side of the sea. And all of a sudden, a great storm begins to blow. The waves begin to beat against the ship. A great fierce when storm began to elevate the waves and it beat against the ship. Amen. You got to remember, Jesus did not say, let's go into a storm. He said, let's go to the other side. Mark that. The storm showed up while they were in the will of God. There are some people that believe that as long as they're in the will of God, they'll never have a storm. You need to go read about the life of Joseph. 
Read about the life of David. Read about the life of Daniel. Read about the life of Paul. It will show you expressly that you can be in the will of God and have a storm. You can be in the will of God and there'll be something arise, a circumstance beyond your control, a situation beyond your, that your ability to contain, and, and the wind will begin to blow. There will be a diagnosis that you didn't count on. There will be a, 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 a financial crisis that comes and hits you, a loss of a job, a home that is burnt. You will find relationships that have been broken, an unexpected death in your family, a miscarriage that hits your home. All these things, unexpected storms that come up seemingly out of nowhere, even while you're in the will of God. You see, storms don't determine if you're in the will of God, but obedience does. And while you are obeying God and following his word, sometimes the wind can still begin to blow fiercely. You see, waves are created by wind. Wind, which is coming along by friction, it, it pushes on the water surface, and it pushes the water ahead, and it begins to pile up that wind, that blowing. You will find that the heights of waves are determined by three different properties. The strength of the wind determines the height of the wave. The duration of the wind, the longer the wind blows, the higher the waves. It is determined by the dense distance of the wind and how far it travels. The greater the distance over water, the greater the waves begin to rise. So waves are a result of the wind that blows and the waves begin to pour into the ship. Now, quite frankly, they tell us by calculating about the size of the vessels that they had in that day, there was probably 12 to 15 people in that boat, so it was already sitting low on the, on the water. It was already, uh, and you got these other little boats around them, other little uh, smaller vessels around them, and the wind blows until all of a sudden, now they've got a bail. Some years ago, when we were evangelizing, was preaching at this church in Louisiana, and uh, the pastor said, uh, come and got me, and said, I want you to go with me, and uh, we're going to go run some trout lines. We're going to go check for some fish that we're, we're trying to get, and so I said, sure, it sounds like fun. So we get into this little flat bottom, bottom boat, and he hands me a, a pail, and he says, there's a little leak in this thing. And uh, we'll be all right as long as you bail. He didn't bring me along to see the fish. He brought me along to bail. And I could see those disciples as they're bailing and they're trying to, they're trying to get the water out. And there's Jesus asleep. Jesus is asleep. The wind is blowing. The night is dark. The waves are crashing against their boat. And it looks like their boat is about to be overcome and it would sink. So the disciples do what they have known to do. Amen. I want to tell you that storms, unexpected circumstances can threaten your very life. Their life was on the line. The wind not only dictated the waves of the water, it determined their reaction. 
because they were looking at the wind. They were watching the storm. They were watching the waves. And they asked themselves, what will we do? What are we going to do? Waves are crashing. How are we going to act? The boat is filling up. What is our plan? Jesus is asleep. I don't know that he cares. We're over here bailing and he's snoring. We're in the storm and he's resting. What is going on? The logical thing to do is to bail. Fight the storm. You know what? There's nothing wrong with bailing. It's not a bad plan. But then they, somebody, somebody tapped someone and said, one of the disciples and said, listen, we better wake Jesus up. We better wake Jesus up. He's in the hinder part of the ship asleep on a pillow. Go wake him up. And they asked the question that I believe is the crux of this whole story. Master, carest thou not that we perish? Lord, don't you care? They were not concerned about his inactivity. They were concerned about his what they perceived as indifference. God, don't you care? Lord, don't you care? Amen. It's like the psalmist said in Psalm 10 and 1. Why standest thou afar off, O Lord? Why hidest thyself in times of trouble? I want to tell you there are storms that can come, emotional storms, natural storms, winds that can blow that will get you to a place where you can say, oh God, don't you care for me? How about that time you prayed and God healed you? And then you prayed on another time and he didn't. How about that time, you know, you had a situation where where God seemed to intervene and another time where he doesn't. One time it looks like this is the way God does it and another time he doesn't. Amen. And so you're in the middle of a storm and you say, God, why? Don't you care for me? There are times, dear brothers and sisters, uh, where God says, go to the other side, follow me, obey me, but yet you're going to experience some trials. You're going to experience some deep, deep hurts and deep, deep pains. And the, the, and the tendency will be, Master, don't you care that I perish? Don't you care? The word care here means irrelevant, our, our, our concern, our not having relevance, our interest in someone. Jesus, I'm anxious. Aren't you anxious for me? Don't you care for me? Don't you care about my diagnosis? Don't you care about my depression? Don't you care about my disease? Don't you care about my hurt? Don't you care about my pain? Don't you care about my worry? Amen. Don't you care about the death that visited my house, my finances, my relationships, my job, my future? You see, there's a whole common denominator in that statement. It's my, my, my. Jesus said, go to the other side. And he never said anything else. And sometimes when you're in the will of God, dear friend, you're going to have questions in your mind that says, I don't understand this. I don't understand this. I want to tell you that there's nothing wrong with answering the question. You, you and I can ask the question, but you may not like the answer. Jesus, I'm doing your will. Don't you care? Jesus, I'm doing my best. I'm bailing. What are you doing? You're sleeping. Don't you care? I prayed and it didn't work out. Don't you care? I paid my tithes and gave offerings. 
Now I'm broke. Don't you care? You said go to the other side. Now we're sinking. Don't you care? Amen. I want to tell you today that when Jesus got up and they aroused him, what he got up and said was not to them first. He didn't speak to the disciples first, but he turned to the circumstance. He turned to the wind. Jesus, the word of God. Jesus, the God that was made manifest in flesh, spoke the word of the Lord as being the word himself. Peace be still. Peace be still. Jesus speaks to the wind and then he turns around and speaks to the disciples. They ask him a question so he responded asking them a question. Why are you so fearful? And how is it that you have no faith? That question makes me swallow very hard. That's a hard question. That's a difficult question. That's a challenging question. Amen. Why are you so fearful? Lord, don't you care? Why are you so fearful? Lord, you're not answering my prayer. Well, why are you? You see what I'm saying? That we may not like the answer. When we start asking for the answer, we may not like the answer. Amen. Because sometimes he will give it to us. And the question is, amen, why are you so fearful? Their problem became the reason that he mentioned this and how could he say this, their problem became more visible than the promised word that he spoke in their ear. Let me say it again. The reason he asked them, why are you fearful, is because the wind, the wind and the waves became more prominent in their vision than the promise. He said, let's go to the other side. Their focus was on the win, the problem. Their thoughts were about bailing and survival. And they forgot what he had said. You see, here is the issue in your storm. Do you believe the win or do you believe the word? Do you believe the win or do you believe the word? Jesus had just preached an entire message about the power and the potential of the seed, the word of God. And he had just told them, pay attention what you hear. Pay attention, listen up to the word, amen, because he knew that coming up they were going to be tested with a storm. They were going to be tested with a wind and a wave that would crash against them. And he was trying to teach them, it's more important that you pay attention to the word and what God says than it is to the wind and the waves. I know it looks real. I understand the diagnosis looks real. I understand that the situation looks real. I understand the relationship broken looks real. I understand that backslidden uh, young person walking down the road uh, away from you and away from your family looks real. But I'm uh, telling you today, don't get your eye on the wind. Don't trust the wind. Trust the word. Jesus is wanting to teach them, don't fear the wind. Trust me. These are these, these men on this boat had, had seasoned fishermen with them, experts at navigating the sea and the storm. And so they implemented their plan for survival rather than waking up Jesus. Rather than waking up Jesus. I'm going to show you a passage of Scripture that coincides with what I'm talking to you today. Ecclesiastes chapter 11 and verse 4. He that observeth the wind shall not sow. 
Let me say it again. He that observeth the wind shall not sow. What happened is that they got their mind on the wind and they were watching the wind rather than sowing the word. It's so easy to get our eyes, and I know it's difficult, and I know that's why there must be a wonder of God, some mysteries that we cannot explain, because here's what I have known, amen, in my my years of living as an adult and preaching and going through things. Here's what I know is that his word said he would never leave me or forsake me. His word says go to the other side. His word says I'm going to be with you no matter what the diagnosis is. You see the power of the Holy Ghost is meant to bring miracle signs and wonders but it also is meant to bring endurance. It is meant to bring patience. It is to empower us not only to kiss cast something out but to endure and to go through the same power of God that will heal and raise up is the same power of God that will bring you through. You see, my thought is this. Trust God, not the wind. Trust God, not the waves. Again, Ecclesiastes 11 and 4, let me finish it. He that observeth the wind shall not sow, and he that regardeth the clouds shall not reap. If you're always weather watching, if you're always taking out which way is the wind blowing, rather than getting to the word of God and saying, what are you saying, God, about this situation? This is why the devil hates the word. He hates the word so much is he wants to discredit it. He wants to demean it. He wants to make sure you don't believe it. But take the word of God for what he says, and it's true. You see, Jesus had taught them an entire message about the potential of the seed, yet the disciples saw the potential of the wind rather than planting the word of God into the wind. Jesus got up and showed them what to do. Did he not? He got up and showed them, said, speak to that. Doesn't need to teach us? Speak to that mountain. Talk to it. Tell it. Peace be still. Peace be still. When? Let's look at a, a passage of scripture I know you're familiar with, but talks about trusting God. Proverbs chapter 3 and verse number 5. Let's walk through this just for a few minutes here. Trust in the Lord with all thy heart. Lean not under thy own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Be not wise in thy own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It shall be health to thy navel or thy flesh and marrow to thy bones. Here's what we must understand when it comes to trusting God. Trust the Lord and not our personal support system. The heart, he said, trust the Lord with all thy heart. He's talking about your inner man. He's talking about the soul, the depth of your subconscious thinking that is greater than your mind. You see, the mind relates to the wind. The eyes see But when the soul has the word of God in it, when your subconscious, your heart, has the word of God in it, it automatically will put you in a place that 
My heart is greater than my mind in thinking. My heart will be greater than what I see with my eyes. Because thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. What is he saying? Take heed to what you hear. Trust God. Listen to the word and trust God. Amen. Go ahead and feel like you got a bail, but why don't you begin to preach the word while you're bailing? Go ahead and do what you feel like you need to do, but instead of belly aching and crying and saying, God, you don't care for me, suck our thumb and, and give all into the flesh and into our emotions and say, God, you don't care for me. God, you don't. No, he just preached an entire message for our benefit. Trust the Lord, not your personal support system. Lean not onto your own understanding. Don't trust the wind. Trust the word. The word trust means to rely on, to put confidence in, to believe in a person or object to a point of reliance. I can rely. I can rely on you. I trust them safely. I can trust God. To trust is to believe you are safe and secure in him no matter what. To trust him is to believe you are safe and secure in him no matter what. Did you learn that during the corona crisis? Did you learn that? Is that no matter what happens, I am safe in him. Here's a hard one, but we must trust him even when we don't understand him. Trust him. The psalmist said that the righteous shall not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is fixed, trusting the Lord. Not afraid of evil tidings. His heart is fixed. Have you ever watched somebody got news and they just went ballistic? Then did you ever see somebody got the same kind of news but they trusted the Lord? They were noticeably shaken, noticeably stirred, but they weren't going crazy. They weren't losing their mind. Why? Because when you trust the Lord, evil tidings does not tear you up. Trust in the Lord. Don't trust in our own insights, our own discernment, our own good sense, our own wisdom. Trust in the Lord. We either trust the Lord totally or we're leaning on our own understanding. We either trust the Lord totally or we're leaning upon our support system. Trust is at the heart of your relationship with God. Yes, your mind will see the waves, but your heart will see the word. Let me say it again. Your mind may see the waves, but your heart can see the word. Trust God. Then he says, in all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. He shall direct, he will make straight your pathways of life. Acknowledging God means to intimately know him relationally and experientially. To acknowledge God is to accept him for who he is and who he claims to be. To acknowledge him is to say your word is true. No matter how I feel, no matter what I see, your word is true. 
I'm talking to somebody tonight that needs to hear this message. You're asking God, don't you care for me? This has happened to me. That's happened to me. I've gone through this. I've had that happen. I've had that issue happen. Amen. And God is saying, will you trust me? Will you trust me? Will you trust me? Get your eye off the wind and get your eye on the word. Get your mind off the wind and get your mind on the word. Let your heart reach to him and acknowledge him. He's the king of glory. If the God that hung the stars out in the sky, if the God that created the wonders of the atom and the molecules that make up your life and the DNA that makes up your life, if the God that made it, amen, can do all of that, then he can surely be with you. In all your ways, acknowledge him. Not the waves, but him. Not the situation, but him. Keep God in your focus. Follow the Lord. Acknowledge in him. When you're full, acknowledge him. When you're blessed, acknowledge him. When you got money, acknowledge him. When you're empty, acknowledge him. When you're bailing, acknowledge him. When you're in sorrow, acknowledge him. When you're rejoicing, acknowledge him. For those who acknowledge him don't contradict and deny his word. They get up and they say, I agree. I agree. I approve. Amen. I don't oppose and protest and refuse. I accept and I acknowledge. Say amen to the word of God, somebody. Say amen to the word of God. Say amen to the word of God. And watch him step up on the bow of your boat and say, peace be still. Then he says, be not wise in thine own eyes. Don't assume we can't afford to assume that we know it all. But we got to make sure that we run to the Lord, we fear the Lord, and we run from evil. Depart from evil. Departing from evil means to depart from the evil of self-conceit and self-reliance, our own mentality of bailing our water system out, trying to save ourselves. But, oh, somebody needs to wake up the word today. Wake up the word in your life and say, oh, Lord, I believe you've got the answer. Will you help me? Hallelujah. That same passage continues. That favor follows trust. For it says, honor the Lord in Proverbs 3 and verse 9. Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruit of thy increase. So thy barn shall be filled with plenty and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, neither be weary of his correction. It's just a storm. And it will be over. It will come to a conclusion. Verse 12 says, For whom the Lord loveth, he correcteth, even as a father the son in whom he delighteth. Trust. Trust is the answer to the unexplainable. Trust is the answer to the unknowable. Trust is the answer to the unanswerable. When you say, oh God, why? Trust. When you say, God, how? Trust. When you say, God, what? Trust. Trust. When? Trust. 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 Trust in the Lord. Let me hit you with some Psalm 
Amen. From the word of the Lord. Praise God. Psalm 4 and 5. Offer the sacrifices of righteousness and put your trust in the Lord. Psalm 5 and 11. But let all those that put their trust in thee rejoice. Let all those that put their trust in thee rejoice. Let them ever shout for joy because thou defendest them. I'm telling you seed right now. I'm telling you word. Amen. Shout. Amen. Let them also that love thy name be joyful unto thee. Let those that trust in you, Lord, rejoice. Rejoice, dear saint of God. Amen. Psalm 9 and 10. And they that know thy name will put their trust in thee. For Lord, thou hast not forsaken them that seek thee. Somebody trust God today. Whatever you're going through, trust God. Psalm 16 and 1, preserve me, O God, for in thee do I put my trust. O my soul, thou hast said unto the Lord, thou art my God. My goodness extendeth not to thee. Amen. I want to tell you today, you can trust the Lord. Amen. Trust the Lord. Psalm 31 and 1, in thee, O Lord, do I put my trust. Let me never be ashamed. Deliver me in thy righteousness. Take care of me, Lord. Hallelujah. Take care of my family, Lord. Take care of my wife, Lord. Take care of my children and grandchildren, Lord. Take care, Lord, of my family. Take care, Lord Jesus, of my church. I trust you, Lord. I trust you. I pray that in this crisis you have learned to trust the Lord. Psalm 56 and 3. This is one that we taught our children. What time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. In God, I will praise his word. In God, I will put my trust. I will not fear what flesh can do to me. When? I'm not, I realize it can be scary, but I'm not fearing you. I'm not saying we walk around with our heads stuck in the cloud like we're so super spiritual that nothing ever moves us. Jesus taught us differently than that. The fact of the matter is that there was real wind, real waves. But the challenge is, is your eyes on the wind and the waves or is your eyes on the word and what God says? Trust in the Lord. What time I'm afraid, I'll trust in the Lord. And in closing, Psalm 118 and 9. It is better to trust the Lord than to put confidence in man. Can I put that in my own? This is Tim Gill's paraphrase of that. It's better to trust the Lord than the news. It's better to trust the Lord than Facebook. It is better to trust the Lord than politics. Better to trust the Lord than the media. It is better to trust the Lord. You put whatever in there, cousin so-and-so and aunt so-and-so and, and, and whoever it may be that is putting fear and doubt in you. You need to trust the Lord. It is better to trust the Lord than to put confidence in man. It is better to trust the Lord than to put confidence in princes. Even those that are supposed to be smart, scientists that are beyond brilliant, doctors that have all the answers. I want to tell you, they don't, they're just practicing physicians, folks. They don't have the answer. When they hand you that paper and says, this is your diagnosis, 
You could look at that as the wave that hits you, or you could just say, you know what? I see you wave, but I'm not trusting in you. I'm trusting in the Lord. I'm trusting in the Lord. Amen. Today, I pray this message has touched your heart. And I ask you, get to the Word. Study the Word. Let it come alive to you afresh and anew. Thank you for joining us today. We pray you have been encouraged. If you would like more information about Medora Pentecostal Church, you can check out our website at www.medorachurch.com. Set